Steve Mervin. Welcome to another edition of Rabbitohs Radio Podcast. My name is Grant Chapel, and I'm joined in a room with two Rabbitohs legends, Darren Brown, Steve Maven. What's going on, boys? G'day, chaps. Brownie, and welcome, Rabbitohs fans. Yeah, g'day, boys, and to all the listeners out there. Yeah, we've got a huge show out there for you, Rabbitohs fans. We're going to recap the Sharks game from Saturday night, and we're into some Rabbitohs news. We've got an interview with um, club legend Terry Cullitz. Been part of the club 30-plus years. He's a real stalwart of the club. Then we're into... A preview of that big game up there at Central Coast, 4pm, the Channel 9 game against the Storm. And then we're going to finish it up with a very special treat for you Rabbitohs fans out there on Rabbitohs Radio Podcast. The great Bob McCarthy, Rabbitohs legend, rugby league legend. He's done it all in the game, boys. One of the greats and a tremendous bloke too. Top bloke, Bobby McCarthy. Okay, we're going to rip into a couple of shout-outs here, boys. We've had another response from the listeners out there. We know they're out there listening and enjoying the program. I've got a shout-out to Scott Singles from Launceston. Now, he works down there at Virgin Blue, he tells me, and all the boys get around the, the ramp there and have a listen to Rabbitohs Radio Podcast. Shout-out to you Virgin workers down there in Launceston. Hello, boys. Yeah, g'day, boys down there. And uh, I'd like to shout-out to all our comrades out there at DP World who are regular listeners. Uh, Nate Ford, who's not, uh, not a comrade anymore, but he's, uh, he's a regular listener. And a big shout-out to the... Judiciary panel last night, Mal Cochran, Dallas Johnson and big Tony Pulatula. I thought he's done an excellent job last night in downgrading Sam's uh, grade to grade one and um, allow him to play this week. So well done, boys. Yeah, I thought that was fair. I thought he just came across the chest. There might have been a little collateral damage there, but fair, fair ruling there. Now, also, I'd just like to mention we've still got our Insta. If you'd like to follow us on Insta and Twitter, we've also got our Facebook uh, page up and running now. So for all those people that have given us a like, thank you for that. And if you haven't given us a like, get on there and you can leave us a message as well. And also we've got an email now, rabbitosradio at gmail.com. So anyone wants to drop us a line, give us a message, give us a shout out, some topics they want us to talk about, feel free to do that. Yeah, good on you boys. Thanks, Mavo. Um, now listeners out there, this is a bit of a necessary ever. We're going to talk about this game the other night, which is, I don't know, it almost shut my eyes a couple of times, but... Uh, we're up against it, boys. What happened? Yeah, a disappointing game against the Sharks, um, chaps. But um, look, it was always going to be difficult going down the Shark Park. Uh, we're coming up a, a Shark side, which was full strength, probably for the first time all year. And uh, to be honest with you, we got blown off the park from really from the kickoff. Um, you know, they beat us in every area. The most important areas that you know you need to do well in, in a game to to win. And uh, unfortunately. You know, we come off second best, but, you know, uh, they also had uh, Wade Graham who put on a masterclass performance. He certainly did. Look, it was a game we were realistically never going to win. Like you said, Bernie, they were at full strength and they looked pretty good. So it was a wake-up call. Hopefully we need it. Hopefully they went back to training this week and worked on the things that they didn't get right then. And we need them to be up for the storm this week. Uh, fans, if, if not, it could be two losses in a row we're staring down the barrel of. Yeah, I guess that... Our right edge, we've led by James Roberts and Adam Reynolds, Sam Burgess. I probably hasn't played for a few weeks. Combinations weren't right. Every time they went down that left side, it looks like they had 15 players in the field, boys, and we had 13. So, anyway, that's all right. We, we, we can move on from that. We, we've won, we, As you said in podcast number three, mate, we've got uh, 13 wins in the bank, and lucky we've got 13 wins in the bank, boys. Yeah, the good thing about rugby league, it's, uh, it's on again next week, and uh, we'll touch on the storm next week. So... Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that then. Yeah, we just yeah couldn't build pressure and, and whatnot. But anyway, we'll move on. Uh, Sam Burgess, one of the real big talking points out of the weekend. Come up with a typical Sam Burgess play, really aggressive. Come and hit him around the shoulder, bumped up around the chin. Um, Matt Moylan stood up, sort of showed some pretty effects of concussion, in my opinion, not just as a fan on the on the TV. Didn't go off. 15 minutes later, sets up a try. Then they pull him off, clears the concussion test, and plays on. Talk to me, boys. Yeah, controversy about that, and we'll hear a little bit more about the HIA uh, with Terry Kulotz a little bit later in the show. He gives us an insight to that, uh, just on Sam. But, look, Sam plays, um, you know, on, on a nice edge, and, um, you know, his defensive technique is, you know, always going to come into uh, some sort of... Um, 
conversation uh, because he, he plays with aggression and you know he's only got, only one thing has got to go wrong whether it be the you know the attacker sidesteps and and Sam comes across a little bit high and um, you know but we don't want him to change his aggression all the way he plays um, but in saying that you know we we really need him on the field week in week out yeah Brownie like you were saying with Sam Burgess. I love the way he plays. I love his aggression, and it's going to be very hard to curb. People have been saying he needs to maybe change things because he's getting a bit older, but very hard to do. Okay, listeners, we've got a very special interview with a club stalwart, a legend, a bloke who's been part of the medical staff for 30-plus years. Interview here with the great Terry Cullitz. Rabbitohs Radio Podcast listeners, got a very special guest on the show today. A person who's had a 30-year association with the club, was inducted as a life member in 2015 with the legendary Nathan Merritt, Terry Coolis. Hey guys, how are Welcome you? to the show, mate. Thanks, Chappie. How are we doing? Brownie? Yeah, Tess. How are you, mate? Hey, mate. Good to see you, boys. Welcome to the Rabbitohs Radio, mate. Now, firstly, just tell us where you grew up and what it was like as a kid. So, uh, I was actually born in Crown Street Hospital back in the days when they had that. Um, and uh, we lived at Botany until I was four. And then uh, we moved to Maroubra, which um, where my family still lives now. So, um, yeah, and then grew up around Maroubra, and that's pretty much uh, where I live and hang out and where my work is as well. Yeah, nice. <coughs> I, I spend a lot of time in Maroubra myself as a kid. Just um, also, what's uh, are your interests? What do you like doing all? Yeah, so um, obviously, you know, rugby league has had a big part of my life, so that's a, still a big um, interest and a big um, component of what I do. But outside of rugby league and, and uh, work, I find I obviously love what I do as a chiropractor. Um, yeah, surfing. Love surfing and golfing. They're my two passions. And so when I do spend time away from things, that's pretty much a lot of fun on the beach or the golf course. I uh, just touching on surfing. I see you down in the river a fair bit. Yep. And our host, uh, Chaps, he, he fancies himself as a bit of a surfer. He goes all right. Can yeah. you give us a rating on Chaps? He's <laughs> surfing at 1 to 10. Oh, no, this is awkward. No, chaps goes good, mate. So uh, high eights, mate, I'd say, for Chaps. So tens are lower, so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, well done. I'm in the bottom 30%, but I'm, I can handle that. Yeah, as long as you're out there having fun, mate, getting waves, he, does, he gets, he gets his, his fair share, let me tell you. Now, you've obviously been associated with the club for 30-plus years, yeah. studying as a trainer and on the medical staff at the moment. Now, I know you wouldn't have had many holidays in um, those 30 years, Tezza, and this year, you had the first time you, you had a couple of weeks off and went over to Europe, mate. What was yeah. that like? It was amazing, yeah. I mean, having been in Europe for 30-plus years, so decided instead of going to the usual Bali, mate, during the bye, I uh, went over to um, Paris, Florence, and Rome, and, yeah, it was eye-opening. It, it was really good to get back amongst that culture and, um, yeah, just see all the iconic sites. It was pretty nice. Just back to the, the football side of things, Tez, um, you've been associated with the club for a long time and you know, you've know you experienced the highs and lows, you've come across many many good players, do you have a, do you have a favourite player or, or one of the better players that you've seen come through so the club? So we're excluding you and Mago of course in this conversation <laughs> because he's a bit biased. <laughs> Mate, I've got to say um, obviously 89 was my first year at the club and that was a pretty amazing year where the club had such a great season. Um, just from a preparation point of view, I always remember Phil Blake was pretty um, pretty switched on with his preparation, always come in and stretch and do his things. Other boys would be, everyone's different, some would just joke around, some would be serious, but Phil was always one that stood out in my mind in his preparation. Um, sort of in the modern game, I would, um, I mean, obviously being involved around Greenless and just his, um, you know, his presence in the, in the club and the team has been pretty awesome. Um, Sato's been there a long while, so, you know, Sato's pretty much a different style of preparation, pretty more relaxed, cruisy. Um, and, and these days, you know, obviously Big Sammy, you know, Sammy has a big influence amongst the club and the players and um, and just, you know, the influence he has on, amongst the crew. But, yeah, just from standing out because it was such an important thing that first year of mine, Phil Blake really stood out to me. Oh, great. Some great players you just uh, mentioned there. Yeah, being retro around this upcoming round, Tesla, tell us the difference between an NRL medical staff today and an NRL medical staff back in 1989, mate, when you first started. I suppose the big difference, um, chaps, is the um, professionalism. It, what I mean by that is nowadays clubs have full-time staff. Like back in the, in '89, everyone was part-time. You know, everyone pretty much like players. A lot of players were working and playing. And same, same with medical staff. You know, we had part-time physios, part-time doctors, myself, trainers. So there wasn't any full-time staff. Where these days they've got access to full-time physios, medicos, massage therapists. So you know, every, everyone, everything's at, at their call these days. So. 
yeah, it's, it's, it's more the professionalism and, and the full-time staff, which is the biggest difference. Just, just on the medical side of things, Tess, um, today's game, the, the head knocks are you know, big on the agenda. Yeah. Can you just let the listeners know, you know what happens yeah. with the HIA from the time they leave the field? I mean, they go up the tunnel and, and you know, the fans don't know what's going on behind closed doors. So you can give us a bit of an insight to that. Yeah, so typical scenarios, mate. First of all, um, if there is suspicion of, of a player being concussed, the doc has access to um, live footage that they can replay actually on the sideline. So he'll go assess the play, and if he feels that the player needs to come off the field, it's not an obvious head knock, then um, you know, he'll, he'll instruct the trainer to bring him off. And usually myself and the doctor will take the player up the tunnel. I've got a microphone in my hand, which I can um, feed back towards the staff upstairs, the coaching staff. They want the update on players. Um, so before a player can start an assessment, there's a five-minute period where they just have to chill out. Then the doctor will come in and do what they call a scat test, which is pretty much um, a combination of different tests where they'll put the, the person through some cognitive function tests. They might ask some questions like, here's four words, remember these words, here's a few numbers, why don't you read you know, the same back to me. Then they do some functional tests, they might get them to run up and down, balance tests, close your eyes, stand feet together. So there's a whole protocol that goes in that process. Um, if they pass that test, they've got 15 minutes to do that test, to pass it, um, to come back on the field as a free interchange. If they don't do it within 15 minutes, then we don't get that for any change. And if they don't pass that test, then they're not allowed to go back on the field. And, and who makes that call? Have the, the, the NRL got their own doctor or the South Australian? No, no, all, all clubs have their own club doctor that do the assessment and, and uh, make the call. And our, our doc, he's really conservative. Like, he's, he's total welfare to the player and, you know, and their duty of care. So we're, we've got a really good doctor, Andrew McDonald, who's, yeah, he's, um, he makes that decision. Yeah, I don't know. That sounds like a pretty vigorous process. I don't know if I'd pass that. I want to pass it back in the day. <laughs> sounds like not a, you couldn't fake it at something. You, it's an extensive test. No, no, there's no way. I mean, even sometimes the doc says four words, and, and a couple minutes later, as you repeat those four words, I could get lost in what those four words are. So, yeah. Now, you're, you're not only on the medical staff, but you're a Mad Rabbitohs fan. Absolutely. Um, tell us a bit about the day you were inducted as a life member down there at Bedford, mate. 2015, March 1, I think it was. Yeah, it was pre- a pretty amazing sort of 12-month period. Obviously, uh, South won their first premiership in 2014, so that whole year was just, and the finish to that year was awesome. And then to be told uh, to the, at the next AGM, which is early 2015, that um, I was nominated and um, as a life member, it was just like, yeah, it was amazing, an amazing period, like, that whole 12 months is just something I'll never forget. I can remember awesome. seeing the photos and the smile on your face, mate. Now, yeah. I'm going to go back to an incident, round 19, 2011. Now, Tony Carroll was chasing down Rabbitohs utility Jamie Simpson, and he knocked out referee Tony Delaharis. What yes. do you remember about that incident? You were first yeah, on the scene. Yeah, I, I was running as the uh, orange shirt trainer back in those days, and... Um, yeah, when, when he got knocked down, I was kind of, I think I was on the field, we had the ball, so I was around the sort of, around the field at the time, and Jamie made the, the break, and then the, the referee went down, and I was pretty much around the, that area at the time, so I just remember him literally snoring on the field, the referee, and I was obviously concerned, so I was the first, yeah, the first one that, to, uh, to be by the, by the refs um, check, to check him out, and then, you know, we just did the usual protocol for those situations, just make sure he's breathing, he's, you know, recovery position, and, and uh, yeah, that was a pretty scary time, because he was... But yeah, it was it was pretty a pretty nasty knock. Yeah, yeah. It was a decent yeah, knock. Yeah. Yeah. I'll never forget it. Yeah, it was, and, that, and the camera angle just showed it. They just like bang. Big knee, Tony Carroll's knee. Big knee, Tony Carroll's knee. Lucky it didn't break his jaw, really. Yeah. yeah, it could have been a lot more severe. Now, what do you remember about my co-host Steve Maven and, and Darren Brown coming through the ranks? Now, you, you know what? Before, before I go, there was a funny incident with Della Harris because it wasn't that long ago that um, we caught up with some old South staff like Mike McGuire, uh, Wayne Collins, um, Kurt Riggle. We all got together about six weeks ago down the coast at uh, Snoop Wayne Collins' um, caravan park. And we went out to, I think, sports club or bowls club, and, and Tony Teleheron was there. <laughs> and so I said, yeah, and I caught up with Simone. I remember this, this incident, and, you know, we started talking. I said, I was the first, first one on site at the time in there. Well, obviously, he didn't remember anything about it, but no, it was actually a weird scene. I hadn't seen no, it since right. that time. Yeah. It's unbelievable. So the story's a really nice fellow, actually, but yeah. retired from this. Good yeah. stuff. So as far as Mavo and Brownie, gosh, how do I remember? I look, you know, I've had the pleasure of seeing a lot of guys in that time come through um, as juniors and then go in and play first grade, um, you know, see, seeing their whole development um, and also, you know, making their debuts and it's been pretty awesome and obviously remember Brownie and Mavo and, and the beautiful thing about that is a lot of the guys back from the 80s are probably, you know, my closest mates. Uh, we're kind of all sim- about similar age, 
for me back then. So, yeah, I mean, we still hang out today and we still see each other and we still, you know, have a laugh I'm about still, those still fortunate to catch up with uh, everyone around them reunion days like yeah, we had the other was, day. Yeah, that was amazing. It's, it's, always, uh, it's always good to, you know, get together and uh, reminisce on, on the times that we had. Yep. Sure it is. Um, now, you, we're, we're conducting this interview here at Sydney Spinal Care, and that's obviously your business, yes. Yeah. Um, does the players still come in as patients? Yeah, well, most, look, most of the time I, um, I get to go to training, usually uh, on a weekly basis, um, to, to check on the boys. Um, and as I said, they've got access to full-time other staff as well. But yeah, occasionally if they need some extra care, they come in the office and pop on by. Um, and on game days, like I, you know, on, on game days, there's there's a fair bit of work done pre-game and I would probably, out of the 17 guys pre-game, maybe 10 or 12 will jump on the table pre-game, get a little adjustment, a little tune-up with me. So I get to see them quite regularly, um, either whether it's in the practice or at training or on game days is, more, is the one I mostly do, yeah. And, um, well, not just current players but former players as well because I'm actually a patient here and I can uh, <laughs> tell you that Tessa does a great job with my lower back. Yeah. Gives it a bit of a crack up, frees it up, and I walk out of here brand new. Beautiful, well thanks, mate. <laughs> no worries. Um, Tess, thanks for joining us on Rabbitohs Radio Podcast. It's been a pleasure, mate. No, it has been a pleasure. Thanks, guys, for thanks, uh, mate. coming by and saying hi. Thanks, well, Tess, and um, thanks for all, all your information for out there with all our listeners. You're welcome, mate, and go to the Mighty Rabbitohs. Welcome back, Rabbitohs fans. That was a great interview from Tez there. Good insights into the club. Now we're going to move on to some team news brought to you by South Juniors. What do you got for us, chaps? Yeah, I, I'm starting to wax lyrical about this, but the Burgess boys have pumped out another baby. Well, another one. They're coming thick and thin, the Burgess boys. Yeah, I reckon they're not far off getting a mixed netball team here. It looks like it's a young baby, beautiful baby, baby Sophie. Beautiful, beautiful little girl, apparently. Well done to the Burgess clan there. They've timed it well. Tom and George having a, a kid around the same time. So Unbelievable. They, they, they grow up together. Yeah, congratulations to all the Burgess family once again. Yeah, congratulations to the Burgesses. And we're going to get into some Pathways news. The Jersey flag took on the competition leads of the Cronulla Sharks before the first grade the other last Saturday night. Jersey flag had a 20-all draw, and I believe it was a successful comeback for young upstart. Dean Hawkins, a young halfback from the Matraville Tigers, who's been off on a long injury layoff, and we need that sort of depth in the halves. You never know what's going to happen going in the semis. He's a bit of a Alfie Langer clone, to be honest, some of the things I've seen from him. And the New South Wales Cup had a great win, 31-24 to over the Bears, but the Bears are affiliated with the Roosters, so it's like a good win over the Roosters. Yeah, great win. And a couple of the, couple of the standouts there, well, Blake Taft kicked a field goal, set up a few tries, and Jaden Sewer, who... I reckon he should have been in that game Saturday night. Yeah, well, uh, it's, uh, it's a strange one with Jaden Sewer, but um, hopefully he can play, keep playing well and play his uh, way into uh, the top-grade spot. Yeah, yeah, I was surprised. He, I thought he should be there as well. There's one or two on the bench that, he, that they may, may be in danger of losing their spots to, to young Jaden, but we'll, we'll wait and see how, what Bennett comes up with. Yeah, we'll wait to see that final 17, boys. Now, the junior grand finals are on the weekend. And um, well done to all those kids. And we've got a shout-out to the Botany Rams under-8s. They've won three premierships in a row. Coach Macker wrote to me during the week, and uh, he's proud as punch. Yeah, the mighty bots. Love it. 2019. Love the Rams. I'm a Botany junior myself. So they've had some success in the last few years. The club's turned it around, and now they're a bit of a powerhouse in the juniors, which is really good to see. Yeah, got a number of uh, good kid sides coming through. So well done to the Botany Rams. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now, listeners, we're going to... Take a short break here, and we're going to come back and preview that Storm game. Okay, welcome back, Rabbitohs fans. Back to Rabbitohs Radio Podcast. We're going to preview the Storm game this Sunday up at Central Coast Stadium, 4pm. It's the match of the day on Channel 9. What are your thoughts, boys? Well, look, like I said, we've had a kick up the bum against the Sharks, and we're really up against it with the Storm. They're the benchmark of the competition. They're a far better team than just about than everyone in the comp. So we're really going to have to improve everything that we didn't do last week. We're going to need to do it this week. We're going to need to hold the ball, complete sets, no penalties, and get back to the footy we were playing earlier in the season. Now, we can do it. We've got the players to do it. We've all seen it. And we really need to go out there and prove it against the Storm. Yeah, look, very rarely do the Storm put in a bad game. Um, week in, week out, they're so consistent with, with the type of footy they play and 
You know, they just do all the little things right. And look, I'm not saying it's a, a do or die game, but um, last week, out of the top eight, um, every side won. And we've got a lot of sides that have got a lot of momentum around us. And uh, look, if we don't win, uh, there's a possibility we could drop out of the four. So it's, it's an important game. Um, and we just like Mavo said, we've got to do all the little things right. Well, I was having a look at the table, and they've only lost three games all year, and I thought I'd flick back and have a look at those couple of games. And you wouldn't believe it. They've only lost two games in Golden Point, one to the one to Manly Seagulls, one to the Sydney Roosters, and the other one was only been beaten by two to the Cronulla Sharks. What a record that yeah, is. Yeah, tough. This is, this is actually turning into one of the great NRL regular seasons in many, many seasons. It is. Well, they haven't got many weaknesses, if at all. Yeah, there's a couple of good battles on the field uh, this weekend as well, and none other than the uh, the coaches. Uh, Wayne Bennett comes up against Craig Bellamy, um, arguably two of the greatest coaches in this modern era, uh, to come against each other, and they've had you know many great battles in the past, and uh, hopefully Wayne can get one up on him this week. You know, the other battle is the battle of the hookers: Cameron Smith versus our own Damian Cook. Damian Cook now the Australian hooker, so the two best rakes in the game coming head-to-head. And look, I think our forwards, we've still got Sam Burgess, Cameron Murray, Damian Cook. So if we can get the edge in that middle battle, that'll take us a long way to winning that, this football game. Yeah, for sure, fellas. I'm really looking forward to it. I don't think there's going to be too much in it. Are we going to have a look at the predictions there, boys? Oh, look, I, I think uh, I think the Rabbitohs, like Mavo said, if we can, if we can get everything right, um, we can come away with a win, especially up there on the Central Coast. Melbourne, a long way from home. Uh, I'm going to say, let's go the Rabbitohs by seven. Okay. Mavo, what are your thoughts, mate? Well, like I've said, it's going to be tough. We're up against it. But I'm going to say Adam Reynolds' field goal in the 79th minute put us up by one. There you go. Yeah, I think it's going to get down to a pretty tight contest. Not too many tries in it. I'm going to say it's 16 all with... uh, I mean, the guy left on the clock, and we get a penalty from a spear tackle from Cameron Smith, mate. And we and Adam Reynolds puts it straight between the black dot, and we beat him eighteen sixteen. That'd that, be nice. That'd do me just fine. That'd be nice. All right, Rabbitohs Radio podcast fans, we've got a very special treat for you. It's retro round in the NRL this week, and we've got a big interview coming up with Bob McCarthy. What are your memories of, of the nineteen seventies, boys? Well, Rabbitohs fans, the nineteen seventies to me, I just think of Redfern Oval. Going to the footy with my dad and my brother. We'd park the car. You'd be walking to the ground. Quite often it was a bit of a walk, but you didn't care because you were that pumped to be going to the footy to watch the bunnies. you get to the ground and on the hill was just great memories. We'd play on the hill and you go up the back of the hill and then you go back down the other side. You could slide down the other side and play down there. So just fond memories of that. Also, I remember the peanut man coming around. You know, peanuts in the shell, sugar-coated, and always want the sugar-coated ones. I'd get my dad to get me them and I can still taste them now, the, those little red red nuts but you know the other thing i remember is more often than not we'd go home disappointed we didn't have a great side through the 70s but every now and then we'd, we'd jag a win you know like kenny wright might kick a field goal to beat Parramatta, or so you know we sometimes we'd, we'd get a bit of joy but yeah fond memories you know the canteens i'd get, get me dad to give me some money to go get a pie and the, you had the canteen at the north end and then the other one on the on the lease club side the other bigger canteen there and and then at the end of the game, you get down and wait for the, the full-time siren, run onto the field, try and grab the corner post, kick the footy around. So, yeah, f- fond memories of Redfern Oval. Yeah, they're all, all great memories there, Mavo. And uh, to be honest with you, I'm probably a little bit too young for me. I was only born in 1969. So um, the 70s were a bit of a blur. But in saying that, I, I do remember the back end of the 70s and uh, how the game was and how tough it was and the brutality of it and what you could get away with uh, in them days. Um, you know, the players today would, you know, they wouldn't be able to play next week uh, with what, what happened, you know, with them games. But, you know, the brawls and the personal battles, the, the Ray Prices and the Tommy Rodonikas. Um, but you know, my hero, Mick Cronin, I, I remember him. He was, he was a hero to mine. I used to follow the bunnies, but Mick Cronin, you know, the way he used to stand in tackles. Back then, the game was a lot of one-out football, but Mick Cronin had the ability to stand and, and play a bit of footy, and, and that's why I loved him so much. Yeah, great memories of the 70s there, boys. I know the Rabbitohs themselves, we only won the two premierships yet year, but uh, looking back on it, that's we take two premierships any day of the week right now. Yep. Um, we've got a very special treat for you um, on Rabbitohs podcast, episode four. 
the Bob McCarthy interview coming up. Now, Bob's a, not only a South legend, he's a rugby league legend, a four-time premiership winner. He was bestowed the honours of an MBE in the late 70s. Him and Graham Langlands were the only current players to ever to be bestowed that honour by the Queen. And he's also finished up a selector for New South Wales and Australia. So, Just just on that, before we go to the interview, chaps, I just got a message from uh, Barry Wood, the famous number seven from the Newtown Jets. And uh, he had a couple of years at the Mighty Rabbitohs that he just sent me a message and said, Bob McCarthy and Ron Coote played in the first ever game televised on ABC. They played against the uh, Bulldogs at Belmore Oval in 1962. So there's one for the fans. There you go. Now, this interview was conducted down in Coogee, Bob McCarthy's home for a long, long time. It was in a bit of a noisy coffee shop down there. Little Jack Horner's on the corner. I hope you really enjoy it, Rabbitohs fans. Yeah, it's a cracker. All right, Rabbitohs Radio podcast listeners, got a very special guest today. An absolute out-and-out Rabbitohs legend, a rugby league legend. Uh, Bob McCarthy, welcome to Rabbitohs Radio, and, and most of all, happy birthday, mate. Oh, thanks very much. Uh, very nice saying that. Uh, how'd you find out it was my birthday? Oh, we looked on the internet, mate. <laughs> We've got to do our research, Bob. Yeah. We've got to do a bit of research. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to keep my age uh, away from everyone. Uh, uh, well, we won't ask you what your age is uh, there, mate. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just, to, just to start with, mate, where did you grow up and what was it like, mate? Well, I grew up in Redfern uh, back in the, in the 40s, and it was a, a pretty tough place back then, a bit different now, with, I don't know if I can say this, but guys walk around holding hands and girls holding hands, but yeah, 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 back in those days, if you couldn't hold your hands up, you, you was hard to walk down the street, you know, but, uh, you know, we all sort of followed the rabbits then, and uh, there was nothing else to do, um, rabbits saw the movies, and, um, you know, we all sort of got behind the rabbits, and they were uh, winning in the 50s, when we were kids growing up, and uh, we all got behind them, and, um, you know, well, I remember the back of where I live was Bernie Purcell, who played with South in the 50s yeah, yeah. in their grand finals. His mum, he lived behind where I lived in Keeper Street in Redfern, and on a Sunday morning we'd all, all the got kids, after we went to church, or if we didn't go to church, we'd all knew what time his mother was going to throw the South um, jumper up on the try line, up on the uh, clothesline, and uh, we'd all sort of sit there like the Australian flag going up, and his jumper back in those days, the second row was four and five. I think, he, I think Jack Rayner was four and he was five and the jumper would go up on the old wooden clothes prop and uh, the, the jumper was there sailing in the wind and the shorts and the socks and, we, and it was like, you know, as I said, the strange flag going up and we used to think, oh, wouldn't it be fantastic to be like that, you know? And yeah. When you think of, the, think of the area now, as I said, uh, you go inside and have a cup of coffee, come out and the clothesline would be gone. <laughs> and the clothes prop. <laughs> Bobby... Uh, Mate, I, I grew up in Redfern as well, and, and like you said, um, the area certainly changed. And um, I just, uh, I remember, um, you know, my first pair of boots, I, I, uh, my dad took me down to the Bill Colonies in, in Redfern. I suppose these days, you know, they, they don't need them uh, them type of boots, they've got sponsorship. But did you, did you ever wear the Bill Colony boots? Yeah, I did. First up, um, I, when I finished school, I, uh, I had a couple of jobs. I worked for a television mob out there at... Uh, Alexandria, um, uh, Strongbird Carlson, and then I got a job as uh, as a storm. Before I went, started with my council, I uh, I got a job as a storeman for Mick Simmons Sports Store in, this, in, in, uh, in Haymarket there. And uh, I was going through the shoes there one day when I was out the back there, and I had a pair of cycling boots, and I picked them up and I weighed them, and they only weighed eight ounces. So I put a, I put some sprigs on the bottom of them and. Um, when I was playing, I you know it felt like there was nothing on my feet, so I uh, you know I, did, so I stuck with them and I scored a lot of tries in the juniors and all that type of stuff. And I wore them when I played my first in the first year of first grade with South when I was 18, and I, we played against St George up in uh, in Com- at uh, Cogger Oval and Big Norm Praven jumped on my foot yeah. and uh, t- tore them to pieces like tissue paper. And, uh-huh. uh, and from there on in, I went over to Bill Connolly then because there's no Adidas or or Puma back then. And uh, Bill used to make uh, tailor-made boots for two pound yeah. back then, and doesn't seem like much now, but it was a lot of lot of money back in those days. And uh, I wore them for a while until uh, until uh, Puma and uh, Adidas come out, and then actually we got contracts with them, and we wore them. Contracts with them, yeah. I think I'm pretty sure uh, Sean Garlic uh, 
uh, an old South player. He, he was probably one of the first ones to wear a pair of red boots, and I think Bill, Bill made them as well. So. Yeah, well, Sean, Sean always had a bit of flair about himself, and uh, I don't know how I'd go with the red boots, but I remember Graham Lang was at the white. Remember that? The white ones, yeah. And, 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 yeah. I think yeah. he had a shocker. He had a, well, he had a, apparently they give him the needle before the game into his groin, and because he tore it so much during the year, the nerve had moved. Yeah. So when the, when the doctor put the needle in where he thought it would kill it, it de- or deaden the, the thing, yeah, yeah. the nerve was sitting there where it shouldn't have been, and yeah. Cheng went to run out in the field and he, he knew there was something wrong because his leg wouldn't go. Yeah, yeah. And his, his first, I don't know if you remember the game, but his first kick for touch, the ball rolled down his leg. Ball down his leg, yeah. And uh, they, at half time, because it was only 5 0, they said, come off, Cheng. And because he was a gladiator, he uh, he wouldn't leave the field being captain coach. and he stayed on the field until they dragged him off at the end. Then, by the time they dragged him off, it was 38 0 which is pretty humiliating for a player like him. But um, yeah, that was all with the, with the white boots. Yeah, Bobby, yeah. uh, just uh, you—you uh, you would have been a hero to many players uh, that probably went on to play first grade themselves. Tugger always speaks of you that he used to, you know, climb through the fence at Redfern Oval and go watch you guys train and, and play. Mate, did you have a hero in your day who you looked up to? Yeah, um, well, naturally followed South, like everyone followed Churchill because he was uh, the greatest player ever up until then, and uh, we, I followed him until Johnny Raper come on the scene. And being a lock forward back then, I, uh, I'd done everything he'd done. I was a cover defender and, and uh, um, what, whatever you, and when Johnny, uh, if he wore strapping on his left knee, I'd, when I played for Moore Park on the, in the juniors, then I'd wear strapping on my left leg. If he had strapped it on his right leg, I'd strap my right leg up. The worst thing was the year he wore headgear. I wore headgear that year and I got my head pulled off this by everyone trying to rip my head to pieces. And I saw him years later and I said, mate, I'd tell him what happened. And he said, oh, you know, and I said, mate, he said, how'd you go? I said, well, I, I enjoyed everything until you wore the headgear. I started to wear him. He said, one of my ears was badly collared. I said, mate, give, give me the shits. I said, because I always get my head pulled off every time I was playing bloody football in the yeah. juniors. Eh? Yeah. Oh, good stuff. Little master Clive Churchill. You were, co- you were lucky enough to be coach Point. Where you won the four out of five premierships in '67 to '71. Did you have any recollection of him playing? Were you uh, uh, old enough to get to see him play live there at Redford? Yeah, I saw him play a couple of times. Actually, uh, the first time I saw him play, he, he missed the bloke real bad, and uh, bloke on the wing for uh, uh, his name was Brian Allsop from East. He was a pro runner. And he, tur- he, he he in and out Clive, and, uh, and Clive dived at the ground, and uh, uh, we thought, you know, we looked at each other, and we thought, you know, it was like Billy Slater missing a tackle, you just didn't expect it, and, or Graham Langlands, and uh, at the end there, they, they had a voluntary tackle, uh, Eastern, uh, the hooker tried to kill the game, the South put a ball up, bomb up, and the hooker, Kevin Ashcroft, dived on it, and killed, tried to kill the ball, and South got a penalty from it because nowadays they just go straight to the ground, don't they? Yeah, they get a penalty right. against. Yeah. Well, the referee penalised the East bloke, and Churchill come up left foot and just nailed it and won the game for South. So he was he was a hero. I mean, after the war, there was uh, everyone, everyone wanted a hero. Like there was Bradman in the cricket for Australia, and, and, and I mean I, I remember people when I went to England with the Kangaroos and that people used to talk about Clive. You know, whenever he played over there. It wasn't Australia were playing St Helens or Wigan or whatever. It's quite, it was Clive Churchill Clive be playing Churchill. here today. The little master. That, that's who he was. And then when we used to go to Ilkley Moor, where we stayed in the old days, not like, you know, it was like an old, dirty old, old pub. Now, not like now, it's all five class and five star and all that. Clive used to walk down the street and people used to ask, can, would you, can I get a photo of you kissing my baby or something? <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine uh, Melman Inger or someone doing that. You no, know, no. <laughs> I grew up around Coogee and I remember my father taking me into the bottle shop there to get his autograph. I think it was in the mid-80s, I think. I was working in the bottle shop where he owned it back then. Mm. So, uh, there you go. You're one of the, uh, one well, of I just the greatest interrupt you. Just, w- w- when Clive was towards the end of his career, he got a job as... Uh, as uh, managing an Ampole station over there in, in Anzac Parade, opposite the Henley Field there. Yeah. Now when you go down towards Kenzo, yeah. there's a garage there. Well, Clive, Clive was the, um, he was managing it. And all, all us kids went over there one day, we found out he was there. And we, we stand there, we watched him, and he could see us from out inside in his office and that. And he come out and he's serving people. And he's saying, can I help you boys? And we're saying, oh, nurse the church, we'll just see you and all that type of stuff. 
and then we fold him into the shop. He went to the shop and he bought a bottle of Coke and they're saying, oh, he bought a bottle of Coke, he drinks Coke, let's get some Coke. <laughs> <laughs> so he was everyone's hero back then and, um, you know, then he disappeared into the moonlight and then we had the Rapers and the Gaznies and all that type of stuff come into play. Well, Kai wasn't a real tactical coach. I think uh, Bernie, Bernie Purcell more or less put the, uh, put the team together and Bernie's unfortunately got the flick in 1966 that we didn't make the semis for some reason and they they cut Bernie and they put Clive there and we were just sort of coming towards the, 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 the peak of our career sort of thing and um, Clive just come in and he just made sure we were all, we were all in the way the same sheet of music before a game. Yeah. Like he wasn't, as I said, he wasn't a great tactical uh, bloke, he just, he just made sure we were all, we're all happy and everyone was, you know, yeah, happy, everyone was happy that... Um, and we just played accordingly. Like sometimes there when we were playing awfully, he'd just come in at half time, not saying anything, he'd just sort of shrug his shirt. As if to say, I oh, just can't play and walk out again and Sattler would stand up and say, Come on, that means we've got to get our finger out and we go out and we tear him apart. But um, uh, yeah, he wasn't he wasn't uh, tactically, you know, yeah. Yeah. unlike today, Bobby, um, the, you know, the, the players they pretty much train every day, um, and, and obviously game day, but how many how many days a week did you used to train back then? Well, I, I lived out here at Coogee, so I, I trained just about every day over at Giles's or, or road running. And towards the... Um, I worked on the waterfront as a tally clerk and uh, sometimes there when the ship was uh, was already OK, they, they used to send me home because I used to stop the ship sometimes. Um, and, and the supervisor, like the people come out the back of the side of the ship and sing out, hey, Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. Yeah. And uh, they wouldn't be doing any work, and the supervisor would come down, he didn't know who I was, and say, who is this person? Get him off my wharf, he's costing me money. Yeah. So they'd send me down, I'd go down the city tax and train there, or uh, go over to Centennial Park on the way home, and I lived at South Goodsey there, and yeah. run around Centennial Park. I'd bump into Keith Holman, who was a referee then, and we'd just sort of run around. And So we, we trained basically every day, because at South with Clive, Clive only trained about 40 minutes, and uh, if he wasn't owned by 10 to 8, his missus used to throw his tea in the garbage bin, so uh, we used to say to Clive, Clive, it's going up and down again a couple of more times, we're not going real good. He said, no, you're going, you're enough, you're going all right. Yeah. He had to get his two schooners he in. He, would, well, he wanted to get his two schooners in before he got home, otherwise it was in the bed. But, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
when Bob Carr bought the poker machines into the pubs, well, like, people just stayed where they were, which you would. Mm. You just know, them. just killed them and just yeah. killed South and that big lease club that was just to go 24-7. Yeah, yeah. You know, just died, you know, a natural yeah. death. And then South couldn't afford to buy anyone. And remember George and his committee been walking around on a Friday night around pubs trying to sell raffle tickets, selling pork chops. And they were never in the hunt to buy good players with that, you know. Nah. Yeah, we just didn't have the resources. Yeah. Now, um... We didn't get acknowledged till about October, and everyone, yeah, every, okay, yeah. everyone had, had their teams like the Broncos had got their side, Newcastle had their side, and we were, we were last to say that we were in. Um, I mean, I had the Broncos job. Yeah. I had the Broncos job, and uh, my accountant was Wayne Bennett's accountant. And I rang him up. I went and saw uh, Porky Morgan, who was the the, the, truth, the, tr- uh, the chief guy at the Broncos when they. Were, Started out, there was four guys that owned it. There was Porky Morgan, Gary Borkin, who was with South and Brisbane. He owned all the pubs up there. And there was a school teacher, Miranda, about Larry Miranda, and someone else I can't think of. Anyway, I went and met Porky Morgan down at uh, uh, in the city there at uh, one morning to talk about the job for the Broncos. And uh, I remember him, he was he was sopping up all these eggs with a bit of toast. And all he, and he was in a hurry to catch a, catch a plane. And... Uh, uh, all he said to me was, uh, how will you handle Wally Lewis? And I said, oh, well, I've got no problems with Wally because I coached Brisbane. We won the Panasonic Cup with him and that there. And we had no, you know, I, I knew how to handle Wally. I mean, just let him run his own race, you know what I mean? Because he had all the guys under his spell and all that type of yeah. stuff. And, you know, we didn't get offside with him. I said, mate, I've no problems with me. He said, OK, he got the job. That afternoon, um, the accountant ring me up, Bruce Hatcher, now is in charge of the QRL. He rang up. He said, "You sure you got this job at the Broncos?" I said, "Well, I think so." He said, "Well, I'd do Wayne Bennett. Wayne was then was coaching Bris- uh, Canberra with uh, Don yep. Ferner." He said, "Well, I, coach- oh, he said, I'm, um, I look after Wayne Bennett's affairs too, and he just asked me to draw up a contract." So I ring up Gary Borkin and I said, uh, "Have I still got this job?" He said, "Oh, he said you wouldn't believe it." He said, uh, "He said uh, Porky bumped into Jack Gibson at the airport, and me and Jack didn't get on." And uh, he said, oh, it would jab out of McCarthy and Bennett. He said, oh, well, Bennett's got Canberra down there and all that type of stuff. So he said, they just they just jumped the ship. So I said, oh, I couldn't care less. I was on, I was working on Channel 7 up there as, yep. as yeah. a commentator. So it didn't worry about me. Yeah. Anyway, then Peter Moore rang me up and said, uh, he, he looked at pro- problems with Canterbury. And he said, uh, what are you doing to yourself? I said, nothing. He said, oh, well, I look, taking over this new side, the Gold Coast Giants. I said, oh, what are you doing with Canterbury? He said, oh, I better fall out with him. He said, uh, he said, I'll come. He said, and you'll, we've got St- uh, Chris Mortimer, Steve Mortimer and Steve Folks and two other players. I said, oh, mate, I don't know. I said, starting from scratch, I said, it's too hard. And he said, uh, oh, you know, we think, we think we'll have a, a pretty good side. I said, who are you going to buy outside of them, mate? Yeah. Everyone's, everyone's tied up. Yeah. Anyway, lo and behold, he, I agreed to it. Johnny Sattler ringed up. He was one of that side. Johnny, Johnny was one of the owners of the Gold Coast Club. And he rang up and he said, oh, can you coach us? help us out. I said, oh, for you, mate, I will. And I said, uh, now, how many players you got? And he said, well, no one at the moment. And I said, well, Bullfrog reckons he's got three. He said, oh, there's a bit of a hassle there now at the moment. <laughs> he said, Bullfrog apparently has been called back into uh, Canterbury. Yeah. yeah. So all of a sudden I had nothing. Yeah. So I agreed to terms I didn't have a side. Yeah. So we we pitched, we pinched and burrowed and whatever, and we finally got a side together and first year there. And... Uh, you know, I think we won we won four games out of the 16, wherever it was. Yeah. Uh, then I had a, a couple of years there with him, and, and Wally took over, and uh, Wally was just sort of different altogether. He, he never turned up to train, and he used to, apparently he used to turn up in his helicopter and parked the helicopter and worked for Channel 9 News and run over to the captain and give him the, uh, the, 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 the game plan for the weekend. Yeah. and get back in his plane and fly back to Brisbane and read the news. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that was never going to happen. And then Wally had two years and they got rid of him. And, and Yeah, I don't know what's happened from there. I mean, this this side they've got now is a better side than the side I had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
they've yeah. got internationals and all there. I mean, yeah. we had Ron Gibbs at, at, out there. Ronnie Gibbs, yeah. Ronnie Gibbs, yeah. there, Ronnie Gibbs and we had Chrissy Close, but a lot of them were on the way out, you know what I mean? Choppy, yeah. choppy. A lot of them finished up in second grade because they just loved to drink too much up there. Didn't yeah. didn't like the train. And Billy, 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 uh, remember Billy uh, Johnson? John Billy Johnson, yeah. yeah he, he was my captain and he used yeah. to say to me, mate, you got to stop these blokes for Friday night. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I finished up with them on a Friday night. Yeah. I sort of yeah. might as well join them. Might as well join them. Bobby, um, you, you played with many a great players. Um, you've seen many a great players, being a, you know, a, a selector both at state and national level. In your eyes, in Bob McCarthy's eyes, who's, who is the best player to have played the game? Uh, it's pretty hard to say, Daz. Uh, so you, you, you've got Gaznia and Raper and Langlands from that St George side. I mean, it's just something. Well, they played now. They'd be on players are getting a million. They'd be on ten million. There'd be no salary cap they could get them. Though it's just so good. Uh, Ronnie Coote, Bob Fulton. I mean, Ronnie Coote was as good as anyone. He should be in a mortal. Ronnie played in nine grand finals. Yeah. Um, he's as good. He's as good as all their players in there that I played against. Yeah. Like Beetson and all them and but Bozo and whatever and, and the Langlands and Raper. Stoller was as good as them. Yeah. And Ronnie Coote. When people don't really realise when they watch his video, like. I, I scored over 100 tries, but I scored a lot of tries like a la Terry Lamb, just following the ball. And I scored a few tries on my own. But Ronnie Cooten, I think he scored about 89 tries, and every try he scored, he scored on his own. On his own. He made the break, and then he beat the fullback. Yeah. yeah. And people don't sort of, uh, you know, I don't think they look at that and think, yeah. oh, it's a poor tackle from the fullback. Yeah. But then fullbacks are good, all Australian fullbacks. All good players, yeah. You know, and he, he, he beat everyone so effortlessly, and. Um, you know, I, I just, I know he's a mate of mine, but I, I think he should be up there as before they pick this next lot. One of the best. You know, yeah. I mean, they've got 20 or 30 in there, who cares? I mean, nine grand finals, and, uh, you know, plus he wasn't a bad player. Yeah. yeah. Great defender too. Yeah. Um, maybe tell the listeners of Rabbit Radio podcast a little bit about your role as a selector, mate. You're a selector for New South Island and Australia. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was chairman. Well, we done the Clive. We do the Clive Churchill thing, or we used to. Well, I'm not, not there anymore, but uh, we used to pick the best player in the grand finals and test matches and state of origin, all that type of stuff. And you know, it's it's not all that hard to pick blokes. I mean, they pick no. them. They pick themselves. You now, especially um, well, that Queensland side. You. Everyone knew what the side was going to be before they even announced it, you know. Yeah. And with us, I think, um, you know, we, we had a pretty good run early on when we had um, De- Danny Baderas and all them blokes before all them superstars come in from Queensland. I mean, remember at one stage there, we looked like being a dynasty for us. Yeah. And I think Brett Hodgson threw a bad pass down there in Melbourne when we let, let him easy and Lockyer finished up scoring a try when he told it was his last game if he didn't improve. Come Remember he scored under the post? That's right. Yeah. And then from there they won all those things. So yeah. if, if we'd have won that game, I'm pretty sure they'd have just died in the double T, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what's, what's Bobby up to today, mate? What's Bobby McCarthy up to today? Uh, well, I sit on the lounge a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still work for Sutton's. Uh, I, I might take a car to him today. I took the car up to Summersby up in... Um, up at Gosford there and I got the train back and I just sort of do that a couple of days a week just to keep your brain going because a lot of those great players from the sides we played in um, starting to get dementia yeah. and uh, you know it's so sad, I, isn't it? yeah, yeah. sad. so we, we don't know if it's the, if the wax or not because I mean you go to a, a nurse at home and there's, there's women there with dementia so yeah. you know it wouldn't have helped getting all those wax in the head we all got but, yeah. uh, you know, it's sad to see these things, so I'm just keeping your brain active. Same as Ronnie Coote. He's, uh, Ronnie's, all them blokes has got plenty of money like Daz, you know what I mean? They look, ah. after, their, <laughs> they look after their money, and he, yeah. he's doing Sudoku's now every five minutes, trying yeah, to keep, so keep yeah, his brain going. They yeah. say either use it or lose it. Lose well. it, not, yeah. Not only just yeah. the brain injuries from being concussion, I think everyone's been concussed in some state, but you've got to use it or lose it. Well, it goes so quick. I remember Graham Langlands and bloody Johnny Raper before. I remember being with the, the New South Wales Blues thing about two years ago and we're sitting around talking like we are. Yeah, and now yeah. Johnny's doing it tough at the moment and Graham died, you know, Cheng died. So yeah, yeah. you just don't know what's around the corner because you, you look nice and healthy, yeah. you know. Bob, uh, Rabbitohs Radio podcast is all about the fans and the listeners and um, the borough. Right. We believe, uh, you know, the best supportive um, group of any club and they've been around for for quite some time. They were, they were around when I played uh, in the late 80s, early 90s. Were they around in your era? No, they weren't called the, the borough. I think they were called ba- Baker's Hill. Baker's Hill. Yeah, you could hear them talking. 
talking across the ground, you know, like in the, in the, in the afternoon, late afternoon. And if we lost the game, you could hear him saying, oh, look, he's dropped the ball again. And like, at least dropped the ball. You could hear him. Yeah. We'd be laughing. And uh, yeah. the Clive used to call us in every now and then when we got beaten. Uh, all the press used to turn up. And Clive would be in the middle of the oval and he'd be having us all in a circle. And he'd be telling us that Clive drove a, tr- uh, drove a taxi. And uh, in those days, and Clive would be telling us what jokes he heard that day. Yeah. And all them j- journalists on the sideline used to think he was giving us the grounds of the kitchen. <laughs> and the next day in the paper, that Churchill uh, lambast the side for 20 minutes. Yeah. And all he did was telling us jokes. But uh, we could hear the bloody old... Uh, <laughs> I remember when I, when, I left Can- when I left South to go to Canterbury, when I used to walk past them in the front of the grandstand there, um, it was all Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. And then when I went to play for Canterbury, I walked past them and I was waiting for... Uh, because Ronnie Coote told me what, what happened with him. <laughs> he got in over there with a walking stick. And they walk, I walked past him and uh, I, I avoid the walking stick, but I could hear him say, why don't you retire, you old man? Uh, and then two years later, when I come back to the house at the end of my career, uh, they're all, Bobby's back, oh, in a lovely, oh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were, they were really staunch, you know. They, yeah, they are They love you when you play there, but when you left, you're just another one. Oh, yeah. yeah. fans, the most loyal fans in Australian sport. Yeah. Um, yeah. But... Thanks for joining us on Rabbitohs Radio Podcast, Bobby. And no I hope you had a great birthday, mate. Yeah, thanks very much for that. Good on you, Thanks, Bobby. Thanks, Happy thanks, birthday, mate. mate. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Welcome back, listeners. What a great interview there from Bobby McCarthy. Um, you know, what a legend of a bloke. And uh, he actually wore the same boots that I wore in Bill Colonies. How good was that? When Bob was talking about the Rabbitohs jumper going on the clothesline at Bernie Purcell's place, and they, they it was like they were raising the Australian flag. That was just unreal. I love that story. Yeah, fantastic memories there from Bob. And I was just glad to get his thoughts on the little master, the Rabbitohs' greatest ever player, Clive yep. Churchill. And just, just to get his thoughts on him as a coach and, and what he remembered of him as a player. Because I know my father still to this day says it's the greatest player he's ever seen. He's 86 years of age. He's yeah, seen 13 grand finals live. And, uh, yeah, really, really glad Bob touched on um, the great Clive Churchill. Yeah, just the respect that he, you could, the awe that he showed in him and people have, have that about Bob. So for him to say that about the little master was a real interesting insight. And yeah. just, just a cheerio to all the other 1970s uh, players out there that come through the Rabbitohs system as well. Uh, hope, they're, hope they're all well. And I hope you're yep. all listening there. Now, that's another end to a great episode. Episode four in the books, boys. Uh, let's take it out. Take it away.